Thank you, Christy. I ordered this t-shirt a couple weeks ago. Did not know how appropriate it would be today. For those of you who are joining us online and maybe some of you that are here this morning uh, have not uh, realized that uh, we at Dayspring, our Dayspring family, lost one of our next generation leaders uh, this week, John Nave. John Nave, uh, for me personally, was a... Uh, was not only a great friend, but he was also a mentor. You say, Larry, at your age, you can't have a mentor that's way younger than you. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> if that man will speak life into you. And uh, we just, it was such a, such a blessing. John was a, uh, a great man of God, a great family man. He was, he was uh, anointed as uh, speaking prophetically can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure there are many of us in this congregation this morning that could just share prophetic words that John Nave had shared with you, things that he just had the tenacity to be able to look inside and call out gold uh, inside of you, and uh, John did that in my life uh, multiple times. When John went to work for uh, for a major company as a truck driver, uh, he wanted me to be able to contact him on the on his phone. So he had Lydia uh, text me and just share his contact with me. And so when it was shared with me, it just said "hubby" and a telephone number. <laughs> I saved it as "hubby" with his telephone number. So I would I would pick it up and I'd say, "Call hubby." And Franci Francie would just look across, oh, man. So I'd call, and then so many times he'd answer the phone, and I'd say, hi, hubby, where in the world are you at today? I didn't know where he'd be. Maybe he's in Nebraska or Missouri or Kansas or who knows where, but I just, uh, just it was just a blessing to do that. I'm going to miss that. When you, when you have people around you that will, that you can share into and that will call the gold out of you. I can't tell you how many times, I mean, John and I just had this connection and, and I'd, I'd, I'd work hard to get him laughing and we'd laugh together and then we'd share heartaches with each other and we'd talk life into each other, but he just, he just had that tenacity within him to just speak to me where I was and just call the gold out. You know, I, <clears throat> I'm a, one of the things I've thought about, I set out, spent a lot of time in my garage yesterday. I uh, put a desk out, not a desk, it's a workbench, but you could actually eat on it. I keep it really clean. And uh, so I sat out there with my Bible and my laptop yesterday and just Spent a lot of time with, uh, with the Lord and thinking about today. But one of the things that uh, came to my mind 
You know, the, the book of Hebrews chapter 12 talks about having a great cloud of witnesses. And I know of three that I have. And it's not just me, but it's personal. It's day spring, I recognize that. But it's personal about me. I've got three, I've got three witnesses. Great cloud of witnesses that are there to cheer me on all the way to the finish line and just say, Larry, finish well. I'm not planning on going anywhere, guys, okay? When we had, uh, we had new shingles put on our house about, uh, I don't know, three months ago. Had a 30-year guarantee on them. I called Lisa Horner, who's our real estate agent, and I said, Lisa, we got our shingles today. They got a 30-year guarantee. I won't have to do that again until I'm 103 years old. <laughs> yes. But I've got three in my great cloud of witnesses the first one's Randy Fuller. Randy Fuller was one of the founding elders of this body. Very instrumental in bringing Sally and uh, Steve to this place and planting this church. But Randy, Randy and Glennis spoke life into Francie and I so many times. And then another one that always, it didn't make any difference where he was physically. Larry Calloway always spoke life to me. And now my third one is John. What three great musketeers in heaven to cheer you on. And they cheer us on. They cheer us on. Father, this morning, this morning I bless I bless the relationship that this body has with John's family. Father, I bless the memory of my brother. And I thank you, Father. I don't think that's small talk. I believe, Father, we have a great cloud of witnesses. And at least these three men cheer us on to finish well as a body till Jesus comes back. And so this morning, Father, I ask, I ask a warrior's anointing I ask an anointing, Father, of kingdom violence not only on myself, Father, but every man that calls Dayspring their church home. Father, Jesus told a crowd one day when John the Baptist's father had come to Jesus and he had sent men and, and he wondered while he's sitting in jail He sent some of his disciples to Jesus and he said, just wondering, Jesus, <laughs> are you the one who was coming? Or are we looking for somebody else? And your son, Father, just revealed all the signs, wonders, and miracles that were going through him 
because he indeed was the anointed Messiah. And then he spoke to the crowd about John, and he said, Among men there's never been one greater born than John the Baptist. But Lord Jesus, Father Jesus, your son said, But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Greater. I believe, Father, that's across the board greater. And part of that across the board greater is anointing. So I ask, Father, for the men of this body, the greater anointing that Jesus talked about. And then Jesus told that crowd that day, the ki- from the days of John the Baptist to now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. But it is the violent that takes it by force. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I shared with uh, you all about, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that, I, I, I came up at the end of worship and I had a book in my hand and it was uh, The Battle of Midway. And I, I got that book through a connection with the gentleman that lives behind us. And Francie and I on purpose made contact with them and we wanted to be able to be a kingdom influence in our neighborhood. And so we, uh, we had that couple over for dinner, and, uh, and God has really begun moving uh, in establishing a relationship uh, with, uh, with Jack. And uh, so when I'm outside, and he's done it at least twice this week, when I'm outside, he'll come over and he'll sit down there with me in the mornings, and we have coffee together, and we talk, and the Lord has just opened up opened opportunities, I just, I just dropped like bombs the word <laughs> into his life. And uh, so he, he's the one that got me on that book. And I'm, it's a big book. It's taken me a while to read it because it doesn't have a lot of pictures in it. <laughs> but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm more than two-thirds of the way through it. And as I said it, two or three weeks ago, it is a great, it's, it's a, it's a story of the Battle of Midway, but boy, there is so much spiritual warfare insight in that book. So he comes over uh, the other day, I think towards the end of last week, and he said, hey, I, I got this movie. And it's a movie I heard about a year ago, and I really wanted to watch it. It's called The Gallon Hours. And the, the movie itself is, is a, basically a five-week period out of the life of Vice Admiral William F. Halsey, who would go on to become one of only four men in all the history of our Navy to become fleet admirals. Fleet admirals, five star. (laughs) But at this point, he's a vice admiral. And his assignment to him was to command all naval operations in the Pacific to the point of getting an Allied victory at Guadalcanal, October, November, 1942. It's the most unusual war movie I've ever watched. 
And the reason is there's very few battle scenes in this movie. But what you witness in the movie, and it is really, really good, James Cagney really nails this man, William Halsey. But the, strategy, the whole movie is about the strategy that goes on in William Halsey's mindset, military mindset, naval mindset, and his staff. And they are, they are gathering, and they are talking, and they are, they are, this, this battle of Guadalcanal is a substantial battle because had the, had the Japanese continued to be able to hold Guadalcanal and set up a base there and put an airport there where they could fuel planes, it was greatly going to extend World War II in our battle with the Japanese who violently assaulted us. And so it's, this, it's, it's an hour and a half movie of all the strategy that's going on. Everything that uh, Admiral Halsey uh, is thinking about and the counsel he gets from, from his men. And one of the things the Japanese don't know, especially the leader of the Japanese forces, is that he doesn't know we've cracked the code. And so he keeps sending out this information about what they're going to do and where they're going to be. And Admiral Halsey ahead of time knows that. Guys, when you, when you are able to know what the enemy's doing, you can set up a great strategy. And we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. The enemy, the enemy, yeah. I, I was told years ago, Larry, the enemy's older than you are. <laughs> he's smarter than you are. But he's defeated. He's the one that's already lost. And you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has the capacity to tell you what's going on in the enemy's cap, camp. And so this, this, this movie, the, the gallant hours, gallant, gallant means to be brave or, or bold or courageous, fearless, undaunted, lionhearted. We've been speaking for a month about character. That is internal character. That is a work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. You want to you wanna see a gallant man? <laughs> Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Oh, I mean, what a, what a tender, loving man is, was Jesus when he was down here. First 33 years and then those three years of ministry. What a, what a compassionate man. What, a, what, a, what an awesome man. I mean, he bold, brave courageous, fearless, undaunted, lion-hearted. Indeed, you ought to be lion-hearted. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, okay? But that's Jesus. But at the same time, Jesus is this. We've got a misconception of Jesus, and the misconception is this. Jesus is meek and mild. So many people look at him being that way and they, they equate weak, meekness with weakness. Meekness has got nothing to do with weakness. What meekness is talking about, you've got a, you've got a great stallion, tremendous amount of strength. And you're in the saddle with that stallion. 
and you've got the bit in that stallion's mouth. And what you do is you just simply, by your discretion, you just move that strength to the right or the left according to how you're sitting in that saddle. That's Jesus. Jesus lived his life in the might and the power of the Holy Spirit. The meekness was the fact he was always submitted to the Father. Always submitted. And so this man who some people look at as weak and as meek, guys, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ himself was a violent minister of the kingdom of God. You say, where's the violence? Guys, Jesus would come up to a demon, and a demon would say, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come here to destroy us? Oh, yes, I have. That's my mission. I am here to destroy you, and I will destroy you. I will take, I will take back the keys. I will break your back. I will do everything I am called to do. Jesus, guys, and that is violence. When he would go up to a demonized person and he would, I like the way John Wimber used to say it, he'd dust the demon off because of his power. He would, he would come against darkness. The man who was, the man who was uh, demonized with a, with a thousand, the, the, the gathering demoniac. I mean, nobody could contain that guy. I mean, he'd set out in the, in the, in the caves the word says naked, bound up, and just full of noise until Jesus arrives on the scene. And Jesus, just in, in authority and power, this is a violent, this, listen, this is violence working on a man. But Jesus took his authority and he, he got rid of all thousand. That is a violent move. A violent move. I've got a quote from Admiral Halsey. I really like this. The quote is this, there are no great men. They're just great challenges, which ordinary men out of necessity are forced by circumstances to meet. I'll read that again. I'm read, this, this is the statement of, a, of a, a, a mighty warrior. What a great, thank God for the minds of men that we had in World War II that took us through all of that. Military minds, brilliant men. And Admiral Halsey is one of them. And so when he says this, I, I want to take note of this. There are no great men. Well, there was one great man. His name was Jesus. <laughs> Outside of Jesus. There are no great men. There are just great challenges, which ordinary men, which means I would qualify. Every man, brothers, band of brothers, we qualify. There are no great men, just great challenges, which ordinary men, out of necessity, are forced, but in the kingdom are, 
Oh, that's right, Holy Spirit. I was going to eliminate that word forced, forced by circumstances to meet, except when Jesus came to disciples. And Jesus looked out and he seen the harvest field was white. <laughs> and he said, pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. That word send out, Excuse my French, but the word send out means to kick somebody in the butt and move them forward. That is a strong word. It's just not, hey, would you? No, it's a, Jesus is saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest to just move people out into the harvest because the fields are white. And guys, if they were white in Jesus' day, they're white in our day as well. December 7th. 1941, our nation was violently attacked. A wicked enemy had come against us with violence. And it was a time for the violent to step up and to take it by force. So there were men, ordinary men, some as young as 17. I read this week about a guy 16 years old that tried his best to join the military and they said, you come back when you're 17, we'll make sure you get in. So men, ordinary men, as young as 17, stepped forward to join our military in the fight. This week, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. One of our next generation leaders was taken out. And so I just, what I'm doing this morning, I've agonized over this. I've had... I've had to deal with confusion. I've had, had to deal with just trying to concentrate and push in. But, but I, I want to speak. I, I just, I'm just here to speak to the men. Ladies, it's okay if you eavesdrop this morning. But I want to speak to the men. And I want to share this. And I believe I share this. I believe this is a, a prophetic utterance. And I want to speak this. And I want to gonna release this over men this morning. God is seeking the men of Dayspring to stand in the power of his might and extend his kingdom by force in these last days. The kingdom of God has suffered violence and now we the violent must rise and take it by force. We talked for a month about character. This is character. This is character when we will stand up and we will be accounted for and we will stand up and we will do the things that Holy Spirit is, is calling us to. When, when the men in World War II, I know there's been battles since then, but, you know, my dad was in World War II fighting in Europe and my mother was in St. Louis making ammo. She worked at an ammunition factory. <laughs> and so I guess that's why yeah, it just something to me. But when our men went into battle, they went well armed by a nation they represented. 
<laughs> when our men went into battle, they went armed by a nation they represent. Guys, when we stand up and we move in, moving forth the kingdom of God, we represent heaven and all of heaven's resources back us up. All of them. And the last time I noticed, there was a lot of stuff there. And one of the things one of the things I would like to do when I get to heaven, one of the things I don't want to happen and one of the things I'd like to do, one of the things I don't want to happen is to get to heaven and an angel take me to this great big barn in heaven. And that barn be so full of stuff. So full of weapons, so full of words, so full of, of armaments, so full of things. And I say, what is this? And that angel looked at me and said, Larry, that was all the stuff that you had available to you that you didn't by faith get a hold of. Steve, I'd rather go and look at that barn and say, what is this just about empty barn? That's because you emptied it out by faith, Larry. That's where I want to be. Yes. Yes. Last week, Marlene did an excellent message com combining the Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. I want to, uh, this morning, I, I want to focus to us guys on the Word. I'm not, I'm not taking away the Spirit, but I want to focus on the Word. If there's one thing John Nave always did, the brother would constantly be speaking the Word into me even when he was having a hard day. He would still encourage me and speak truth into me. Guys, the Word, the Word, the Word is with power. For about the past, long before I even knew I was getting here for what this is today, I've been in Psalm, the one verse out of Psalm 119. And that, that, that one verse is this one. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. In the past probably 10 days, I've seen stuff in that verse I've never seen before. Guys, you remember one time I spoke on the Word and I got down and I had a flashlight and the Bible was in front of me and I was, I was looking into this deep well. It is the deepest well you will ever get into, the Word of God. Yeah. Guys, this, this doesn't contain the Word. This is the Word. And this Word is with power. This word is very powerful. But as long as this word sets closed, as long as it's, I can set it on my head if I want to and pray that somehow by osmosis or whatever that gets in me and changes my life. But as long as the words are just in a book, they are powerless to help me. But oh man, when we get into the book and Holy Spirit begins to stir the waters of this book, and we begin to see things we never seen before. The Word, the Word is with power within us. The Word becomes a power source within us. Thy Word, you see, Psalm 19 is one of the most amazing, it's the longest psalm, and it's full of meditations on the excellencies and the power of God's Word. Thy Word have I hid in my heart. Why? <laughs> Listen to the psalmist. Holy God, 
your word I've hid in my heart. And the reason I'm doing that, because I don't want to sin against you. I don't want to. I don't desire to. Marlene talked about the word and the spirit. And we're in the new covenant. We have the spirit and the word. We have both. The writer of that psalm didn't have the spirit inside of him. And he makes this bold statement. Listen, this is what's blown me away. He makes this bold statement. He does not have the Holy Spirit in him yet. And he makes this statement. I am taking your word. I'm hiding it in my heart because I don't want to sin against you. The only way that works is there's something powerful in that word that will enable him. There's something powerful in that word that will minister to his inner man. A couple more translations of that verse. I like this. I have stored, isn't that beautiful? I have stored up. <laughs> I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I stored it up. It's in there. I may not even be aware of it, but there is a, a stored up word that becomes available to me in a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you a, a story. It's a, it's a personal testimony. But I've stored up your word in my heart. Can I put it this way? I've stored up your word in my heart. Then in a moment's notice, that word can rise up in me so I won't sin against you. About, I don't know, 20 plus years ago, I had uh, maybe 25 now, I don't know. But I had taken a, a job, uh, a new job. I, I joined forces with a Christian businessman, went to work for him. And when I did that, I had no idea what Father had in mind because the, some of the stuff was going to be amazing. But I was going to manage his import business. And part of my job would be to uh, go to China on business trips. And I would, tra I would travel to China and I would do business. But see, it was more about that because as a Christian businessman, he knew what, what my heart was. And I'm public, so I can't talk about a lot of it. But I can tell you, there was kingdom activity in China. Kingdom connections in China. Over seven years, I got to do so much stuff that as a little boy growing up on, a, <clears throat> on 160 acres in southwest Missouri, I didn't sit there by, by a pond fishing on a Thursday afternoon thinking about this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. There's a lot of conflict right now between, well, seemingly, between China and, and the United States. There's a lot of saber rattling. I checked it out yesterday. I just Googled it. 
I ask my phone. How many believers are estimated to be in China right now? And one of the estimates was as high as 120,000. That's, that's a third of our population. And I want to tell you in my, in my going there for seven years, some of the most amazing, hungry, humble people I've ever met in my life are there. And they are lovers of Jesus. We have a big family in China. <laughs> We've got a great family in China. On my first trip, I was going to make a connection. And that connection was a kingdom connection that would set up the stage for what I would get to do for seven years. The enemy knew that. I'd, it had already been arranged. And so I'm there, and honestly, for the first three and a half days, from the time I left Minnesota for three and a half days, I could not sleep. I mean, I'm running on fumes, and I'm working 16, 18 hours a day traveling and doing a lot of stuff. But on my second day there, I'd met a, I'd met a man in, uh, I believe in Chicago, who was a very wealthy Chinese businessman. And he owned a factory uh, in China. He, owned a, he had a home and a family in uh, Las Vegas area. He had another one in Taiwan. And so when I first get to China, he's the guy that I connect with. And my second day there, I'm, I'm John, uh, I'll call him Jack. Jack has his driver pick me up. He's driving me around. I'm going this place and whatever. And then uh, and looking at what this guy does. And then that evening, uh, we go for a really good meal. And so I'm sitting uh, at this uh, table with, with my uh, Chinese guy, uh, businessman Jack, uh, his, my driver that he has assigned to me, and several other people. And we just enjoy a really, really good meal. And then we get up from the table after a couple hours, and uh, I get in the vehicle again with, uh, with my driver, and uh, we all go off somewhere. And we come somewhere in Shanghai. I have no idea where this is. But somewhere in Shanghai, we arrive at this, uh, this beautiful stately building, and uh, I meet Jack there and my driver and another couple of guys. And, and we go inside this beautiful building and we go into this room that's got couches. Well, well, well uh, just beautiful room. And we're sitting there, the door shut. We're carrying on conversation. And the door opens. And six beautiful Chinese ladies walk into the room and shut the door behind them. I never told Francie this. It never did fit. And I'm sitting there. I'm looking around at these guys, keeping my eyes off of the six ladies that just walked in. I can tell you in all honesty, I don't, I don't, I don't feel, I don't have a revelation from Holy Spirit. I don't have nothing rising up in me. But I had the word. My thought, I was getting ready to get up and my thought was, 
I don't want to do something right now that puts down this man. So I got up, I walked over to him who was seated, and I said, Jack, there's nothing that I ever would want to do to offend you. But I love my wife. And we've been happily married for a number of years. And so I'm going to go outside and I'll just be waiting outside until you guys show up. I opened the door, shut the door behind me, and walked out. In the, at night, on the streets in Shanghai, walking around and praying. And I thought about that, Steve, and I thought, Larry, are you an idiot? You don't, you're there by yourself. You're walking the streets of a country you've never been into and you're out there in the dark and you're walking along and you're praying and you're interceding and you're singing. Guys, if you see anything in there that, that looks to me, you're missing the point. It was the Word. And I had taught the Word. I had shared messages on, on family and I had talked about husbands' responsibility to their, to their, uh, to their wives. And one of the words was, this word, this was word implanted. And that word just catapulted me out of a situation that I didn't need to be in. A situation, had I made the wrong decision at that time, it was going to affect what I could do for the next seven years, kingdom-wise. It was a setup. But the word that had been implanted on me out of Ephesians was, husbands, Love your wives the same way Christ loves the church. Can I paraphrase that, men? The way it paraphrases to me is this, Larry, I want you to love my gift to you, whose name is Francie. And I want you to love her with the same measure that I love my bride, who you call the church. Guys, that, that word caught, catapulted me out of, a, out of a situation, and it was a, it was a major decision-making moment. But I can tell you the word was so real in me. Thank you, Father. I didn't want anything that was offered. Your word, I've stored up in my heart that I might not sin against God or that I might not sin against my wife. Then number three, I just came across this translation yesterday and I thought, whoa, what a word. I consider your prophecies. It's, this, there's a separate. I don't know if you know, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Latin version of the Old Testament. <laughs> and this is from the Septuagint. And the Septuagint took that word, your word have I hid in my heart, and they picked it up this way. I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. And I memorize them and I write them on my heart to keep me from committing sin's treason against you. What a word. 
And there, listen, guys, there, you, I'm confident of this, men and women, I'm confident in this, guys, that there are prophetic words inside of you that John Nave released to you. Guys, protect those words. Hear those words. Just listen to this. <laughs> I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. And I memorize them and I write them on my heart to keep me from committing sin's treason against you. What an absolute honor for me today to be up there with, those, with the parents baptizing three kids in the kingdom. What a privilege for me to baptize John's and, and Lydia's son, James. If you notice, when I had those little guys in there, I didn't want to pray down to them. I wanted to look them in the eye. And so I just got down in the water at their level. And I shared, and I talked to James, and what I, I, was, just, I was blessing him and honoring him. But at the same time, I was praying and putting my hands on, on James and calling forth the, anoint, the kingdom anointings that were on his daddy to be on him and him to be a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. And let John's ceiling be James' floor. And let James rise up to be a mighty, mighty man in the kingdom of God. Thy word, I consider the prophecies. I consider what you said. I store it up in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've gotten, I'm going to do this quickly. I hope this doesn't offend you. If it does, I hope you get over it. A man by the name of Peter one day looked at Jesus, thought it was Jesus, wasn't sure it was Jesus in the midst of the storm, but somebody was walking his direction. And uh, Peter looked out and said, uh, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. I mean, he, he prayed a lot shorter prayers than I do. Um, and so Peter, I mean, he's a fisherman. He knows what water's done. He swam in it. He's fell in it. He's fell out of the boat before. He steps out of the boat, and he starts walking. Guys, he's not walking on the water. He's walking on the Word. The Word had so one word come, overcame all of the natural laws, that humans cannot walk on water. And he did. One of the most amazing miracles. I've, I've, I've been in Daniel this week just on purpose. But I think one of the most amazing miracles in the Old Testament is in the book of Daniel. And it's the miracle of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know that story. That's a great Sunday school story. But what? I mean, this is an amazing word. These, these are... Three men who are uh, associates of Daniel who have, who in chapter one talks about character 
and they were of, of great character. And so the king who brought them into captivity puts them in a position of authority. The king put them in a position of authority. And then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, just has this idea one day. I think I'll make an idol. And not just a small idol. This, this, this guy is going to be 90 feet tall. And so he has this 90 foot tall idol made. And then he, the, the word goes out, okay, there's going to be, when a trumpet sounds, when this noise takes place, Everybody is to look at that idol and worship, bow down and worship. And so the idol gets made, it's standing there, the trumpet goes off, the noise is made, and everybody bows down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And three, well, I don't know how many guys, some snitches go to King Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe they're jealous of these three Hebrew guys that are in authority. And they say, King, you remember you made this idol and you said this, that, and the other. And, 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 and if, if they would not worship that, then they would get thrown into this furnace. You remember when you said that? Yeah. Well, there's three guys. They're getting ratted on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when it happened, they didn't bow down and worship your idol. And so the king calls them in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he gives them the opportunity to repent. He gives them the opportunity to repent, and he said, guys, I reckon I've been told you didn't do this, so I'm going to give you an opportunity again to bow down and worship. But see, they got a word inside of them. And that word we find in uh, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, the first very word was, you're to worship the Lord God only. And you don't make any idols. And if there are idols made, you don't bow down to them. That's These men, hear me. These men do not have the Holy Spirit inside of them. But they have the Word inside of them. And so in that situation, they look at the king and said, King, we will not do that. We will not bow down to, to this 90-foot-tall God that has eyes that can't see, ears that can't hear, a mouth that cannot speak, hands that cannot touch, a heart, well, it's heartless, feet that can't move. We're not going to bow down to that thing made by man. Our God will deliver us, and if he doesn't, then that's fine too. He's either going to deliver us out of it or he's going to deliver us in it, but we're not bowing down. They only have a word, and the word was, don't do this. They had took that word. They'd hid that word in their hearts. Why? That they would not sin against God. And so they, there they are. And so the king really gets ticked off about that. He has the furnace heated up seven times more than ever before. He has Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with their full clothes on, their coats on, their turbans on. He has them bound up, the door is open, and he has the mightiest of men throw the three of them in. And it says they were thrown in on the floor of the furnace, and it was so hot, the guys that threw them in became charcoal. They just got burned up. And then the king goes by. And he looks in there and he's, he's looking into this furnace. 
And he said, was it not three men that was thrown in there? Yes, king, there were. Well, I see three men, and they're up walking around. But I see a fourth man. And the fourth man looks like a son of God. They went in... They went into the furnace with only a word, and in the midst of the furnace, the word shows up with them. Guys, this is a powerful word that I'm standing on. It is always able to hold you up. It was always with power, but it doesn't do any of us any good if it stays in the book. It's got to get out of the book and into us. Men of day spring. Holy Spirit is calling us out. I can tell you that Phil has already been in contact with some men. The men's ministry is going to be raised up. And the men's ministry is going to move forward. And the men's ministry will be a ministry, guys. God is calling us not to be weaklings God is calling us to do violence if guys if you've never read this book The Way of the Kingdom by Dr. Kim Moss I encourage you to get this this is an amazing book and I'm so thankful Kim is coming here in January but I want to I just want to read this before I have you stand this stand up with me Kingdom violence looks just like Jesus. It is a lifestyle of violent love, violent mercy, violent forgiveness, violent joy, violent grace, violent worship, violent peace, and more. It is you and me being willing to sacrifice our rights, our comforts, our conveniences, and our resources to step up, speak up, and bring about the kingdom of God in all of its glory, salvations, healings, intercessions, deliverances, reconciliations, and prophecy. Kingdom violence is about his followers laying down their lives, turning their cheeks while walking the extra mile, loving their, their flesh and blood enemies, and working to reconcile the, word to God, the world to God. It is God's people rising up, to take back what the enemy has stolen, the broken hearts, the broken bodies, the broken homes, the broken lives, the broken cities, and the broken nations. We will accomplish all of this by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives even in the face of death. Men, I just, just I'm going to ask men if you'd stand up with me. If you're a man here this morning, the call of God is to us. And so as you stand with me this morning, I want to release this and speak this word into you. And I say to you in the name of Jesus, God is seeking us, the men of Dayspring, to stand in the power of his spirit, the power of his might, and the power of his word. And extend his kingdom by force in these last days. 
Guys, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. And now it is the violent that must rise and take it by force. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray over my brothers who stand in this room. I pray over us right now, Lord. And I pray, Father. Yeah. Lord, I pray. I pray not just the Spirit, the, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But, Father, I pray the Spirit of the man Jesus. I pray the spirit of the man, Jesus, be on us and in us. And I pray for us, God, that we would have the most insatiable hunger for the word, more than we've ever had before. Father, in that word, would be, we would be driven by hunger to the word, to read the word. And Father, all of us, would recognize we need one another. We, we must become a band of brothers who are there for each other, who support each other, who encourage each other, who speak life into each other, that not one man, Father, in the name of Jesus, not one man be left behind. But, Father, we would be an army to be, to be noticed. Father, that that darkness would take note of the army of men that are stepping forth in the kingdom and who will do violence against the kingdom of darkness and who will be tremendous lovers. Oh, Lord, lovers of Jesus, lovers of Holy Spirit, lovers of your word, lovers of their mates, lovers of their families, God, lovers of each other. Father, to, to have the Spirit of Christ in us. Lord, that when he lost his friend Lazarus, he cried. Lord, he moved with might. And so, Lord, come. And I say, Holy Spirit, come. This morning, the elders are going to come down in front of the altar area here this morning. They're going to be here. It's been a hard week. It's been a tough week. But we are rejoicing and we are pressing forth. We've, we've only got one place to go, guys, and that's forward. There's, 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 there are, right now, there are two plans for Dayspring. Plan number one is that we move forward to advance the kingdom of God. As men and women of God, we move forward to advance the kingdom. We, we, don't, we don't set down, we don't uh, move in fear, but we receive and we walk in the power and the anointing of God to do signs, wonders, and miracles and see the harvest come in to this body and across Springfield. That is plan A. You say, Let's, Larry, then what's plan B? Plan B is we refer back to plan A. it. So the elders are coming this morning. Elders are here. Whatever, I mean, is, is for, for whatever it is on your heart, you just may need somebody to just 
comfort you, pray with you, encourage you because of what's happened this week. You may need one of the, one of the elders to just pray with you and come into agreement that as a, as a man or a woman of God, you want to be everything God has called us to be. So I encourage you this morning. Ladies, you can stand up with us men. And ladies, I just call you forth. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray that the men of Dayspring would become a mighty, mighty, forceful band of brothers together. And then as you're, as you're here this morning, and where is she at this morning? Where did I want to call her Hershey. That's not right. Rashida, is she here this morning? There you are. This is her last. This dear girl, lady, young person, young lady, is leaving uh, day spring. She's going to Bethel, going to go to school in Bethel. And so we want to make sure she gets loved on and she gets prayed for uh, this morning. So uh, if you would just, if some of the ministry leaders, others would just go over the, over the other side of Richard and join her and uh, just pray with her and just love on her and pray the anointing of God all over her. Father, I thank you this morning for this body. Lord, I thank you for this body. Lord, I thank you that, that I stand behind a group of mighty men and women. I thank you for the elders, God, that you have put into this body. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the, I thank you for the leadership you have placed in this body, Lord. And I thank you for every man, woman, and child that is a part of the Dayspring family. Lord, we rejoice in you today, God. We rejoice in you, and we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will move so much on us that the way it was on December the 8th, 1941, Lord, men would scramble. Men would scramble to be a part of a mighty man, band of brothers who see the kingdom of God expanded in Springfield, Missouri. In Jesus' name.